0: want to welcome everyone who's here for the confirmations. to um, so note that <clears throat> the kids especially get a kick out of being hit. Um, the best explanation I've received of that is it's part of the confirmation rite to remind us that the Christian life is a life of hardship. But I let them know that, the, 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 you know, the relative strength of the hit would depend upon the sort of prophetic movement of the spirit as I looked on each one. <laughs> a, a statement which is partially true, but but at least leaves things uncertain as they approach. So, anyway, welcome. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We are nearing in the church the end of Trinity season, which is a long season. We wear green. It, it ends with Advent, but it, it focuses on growth in the faith over the long term, and it as such, it sort of challenges the assumptions, the impulses of our consumer culture, which focuses on short-term things. And incidentally, in, in the context of confirmation, one thing we're trying to emphasize with uh, our, our people being confirmed is it's not, as it used to be thought of in the church, a sort of graduation. Now you got confirmed you need to go to, to, go to church anymore, but it's a a step in the process of formation, of now coming to a point of receiving the sacrament. And now, but moving forward, all the young people who are confirmed today are going to continue on in our spiritual formation program and grow in their own life for prayer and to mature Christian adults. One of the big problems we've had historically is that confirmation was the beginning of the exodus of people from church because they'd got this thing it didn't come anymore. So... We need to change that. It's this long-term orientation. It's a, a process that begins in baptism and ends in the resurrection and is cultivated in our life of prayer, a process of growth into the image of Christ. And we are formed into the image of Christ through our liturgical participation. Our liturgical encounter with God in Christ in the Spirit forms us recreates us in the image of Christ as we continue in it over time, and our formation is hindered by focusing too much on short-term considerations, such as how do we feel about the liturgy today. The measure of our maturity as Christians and as people is how we respond to things when we don't like them. If I don't like the music, or the sermon, or something else on a given Sunday, how do I respond to that? Do I try to understand things I don't like? Do I respect the opinions of others? Am I happy if someone else is happy about something that I'm not particularly joyous about? Or do my subjective tastes and emotions turn me into a grumbler? Good feelings can also present a spiritual challenge in the life of prayer. They can create a need for euphoria, and this can lead to more grumbling, the next time I don't feel euphoric. The lesson of good feelings in the spiritual life, and everything works on a given day, is to give thanks to God for that, and also to learn not to count on that subjective feeling to get me through. The consumer culture is a bad training ground for worship. Its influence is subtle but pervasive. It teaches us to be shoppers rather than worshipers and God seekers. And it teaches us a limiting reliance on feelings and comfort and pleasure, always needing these things and therefore not being able to do and to pursue what we really need. We will become better worshipers if we change our question. Instead of asking, how do I feel about this? Ask, what is this saying to me? Or, what new thing do I see in this that I have not seen before? These are contemplative rather than consumer questions. And the liturgy presents a rich array of things that will speak to us, that will open up to us if we approach it as contemplatives rather than as consumers. Each Sunday of the church year has its epistle and gospel that sort of narrates our encounter with God that Sunday. The lessons are embedded in a tapestry of variable elements that draw out the themes of the day and season. There are new treasures to discover as we encounter God in the liturgy from the new perspective of where we are in our lives this year. One theme that appears in our liturgies at the end of the year is a theme of exile and return. In morning prayer in our tradition, we read through the Old Testament history each year. At the end of the Trinity season, towards the end of the year, we come to the Babylonian captivity of Israel. God made a covenant with Israel and gave Israel the promised land. When Israel was unfaithful to that covenant, God kicked Israel out of the land and sent the nation into captivity in Babylon, which is roughly situated in the location of modern Iraq. The exile to Babylon reversed The biblical history. God called Abraham out of that same region and sent him to the promised land. And some 1,400 years later, his unfaithful descendants were sent back to where Abraham began. Exile is a biblical theme. Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden. David was exiled from his kingship after his incident of sin. The geographic distance from land, garden, and temple represents the spiritual distance between God and sinful humanity. Sin exiles us from God's presence. We can see the theme of exile in today's gospel. The bleeding woman in the gospel was unclean, according to the Torah. This meant she was exiled from the community and, in another sense, from God. The daughter of the synagogue ruler was exiled from family and community by death. The healing and the resurrection were both means of return from exile, restoration to community and to life. God promises to bring us back from exile. This is the theme of the introit, the chant that the choir sings at the beginning of our liturgy for the final Sundays in Trinity season. It is the word of God spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. Quote, thus saith the Lord, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of affliction, You shall call upon me, and I will hearken unto you, and will bring again your captivity from every nation. This prophecy is fulfilled ultimately by Jesus, who brings fallen humanity, exiled from God on account of sin, back into communion with God through the cross. As Ephesians says, quote, In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of the cross. Exile and return are themes of our life of prayer. The world, the flesh, and the devil, the principal sources of temptation, what we renounce in baptism and again in confirmation, these draw us away from God. When we give in to temptation, We experience distance from his presence. But God calls us back to himself through confession and forgiveness. We eat again of the tree of life. The wounds of our sin are healed. During the Trinity season, this long season where there's no particular major event, but just a gradual tour through the stories of the Gospels, we can often experience a spiritual drift or malaise that creates a sense of distance from god as we approach the end of the trinity season as we approach advent as we get ready to get ready for the coming of jesus god calls us back from our exile we can ask some questions how have we drifted away from god's presence what sins do we need to confess and abandon? What bad habits have crept into our lives that need to be replaced by faithful disciplines? What relationships need to be healed? Thus saith the Lord, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of affliction, You shall call upon me, and I will hearken unto you, and will bring again your captivity out of every nation. When we pray to God in our exile, God hears our prayer, brings us back into his presence, forgives our sins, and feeds us with the bread of life. This is a repeating pattern in the spiritual life. As we persevere in the life of prayer, in the liturgies of the church, Christ continues to bring us back to himself. And we continue to be formed in his image as we wait for him to come again in person and end our exile completely and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.